Street House Podcast, where we gather at the table to hear each other's stories. I'm your host, Angie Smith, and I am so glad that you're here. Please pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the Retreat House Table. I, I'm really excited about our conversation today because back when I did the grief series, I really, really wanted to talk about divorce because I think there's a lot of grief around, a lot of loss, a lot of grief around divorce. And I thought it would be an important topic to talk about in light of grief, but I could never quite get it together. So my guest today is Ellie Herringshaw. And when I went and looked at Ellie's blog, and I had never heard somebody talk about their processing of divorce in such a redemptive, but honest, not Pollyanna kind of way. And when we, I read her blog and then we met for coffee and I thought, oh my goodness, I, yep, (laughs) she needs to come (laughs) on the podcast and talk about this. So welcome to the show, Ellie. Oh, thank you so much, Angie. This is such a pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. Especially at your table. Yeah. (laughs) I'm at your table. Yeah, the retreat house table. (laughs) Yeah. And I really appreciate your willingness to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And, and we have talked about before about how, when I read your blog, I was just so struck with the way that you are purposefully walking through something that is really hard that you probably thought you would never be walking through. So to start out, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, I was married for five and a half years to um, the man that I would absolutely consider um, at that time the love Mm -hmm. of my life. I loved him so much and we had um, what I really thought was a as near perfect of a marriage as we could get. (laughs) Um, I know no marriage is perfect and no couple is perfect, but we, even in the imperfect, even in the things that we could work on, and Mm -hmm. I I loved him so much. We lived in St. Paul together for five and a half years and um, in a beautiful home that even had the white picket fence. Like, Mm -hmm. That was it. It was like, it was everything I ever wanted. Mm-hmm. He was everything I ever wanted. And uh, on October 13th of 2016, um, I discovered his affair. And he disclosed to me that the affair was extensive and that it was really serious. Mm. And the worst part for me was that it began before we were even married. Wow. And yeah, it was, that was probably the worst part of it Mm -hmm. um he said that he didn't actually mean his vows and it was like a train just hit me I was completely caught off guard and Mm -hmm. had no clue whatsoever when you love someone you believe them you believe that their word is true and yeah I just had no idea at all Mm -hmm. so even in the midst of all of that knowledge I stood there knowing that he was never faithful to me in our marriage, that our marriage was nothing like I thought it was. Mm -hmm. I stood there and I knew that God is in the business of restoration, that that is all that God is about, that Mm -hmm. he is, he is a God who heals and restores and he takes really terrible situations Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. makes them wonderful and he turns them into good for us. And he does that all the time. Mm -hmm. So I stood there and I had, no clue that my ex-husband wouldn't also choose me back. Mm. I knew that God could heal our marriage and I believed that he would. 
But that so takes for you two. in that moment, the restoration looked like the restoration of your marriage, yep. the redemption of your marriage. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I I was standing there and really believed that God would restore our marriage. And um, but like I said, that takes two people, two mm-hmm. willing parties <laughs> there to to stand for that. And um, and I ended up waiting and waiting for him to respond in that way. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. So I began the really, really painful divorce process. And anyone who's who's walked through that, they know how painful that is or, mm-hmm. or seen a close friend or family member walk through it. It is incredibly challenging. And I, I moved out of our home that was, you know, the white picket fence house. Mm-hmm. And I moved into my parents' basement. And, and what is the time frame? I mean, yeah. was this like so immediate or? It was, uh, it was, um, I, I began the process two months after. Okay. Um, after. My gosh, right I before found, Christmas. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it oh was my right. gosh, that's just, yeah. It was, yeah, it was right Even before harder. Christmas Day. It was, just, it was December. There's no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of books on the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not talking about the, you know, the legal aspect of divorce here <laughs> whatsoever, there's a lot of people that say like, oh, you, you should wait this amount of time to be separated or, mm. you know, take every opportunity to to try to reach out for restoration or whatever. And I, I believe that I did that. I don't think that there's a prescription for this. Well, and especially considering that he was not committed yeah. from the beginning right? and said that he didn't mean his vows. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's different. Yeah, every situation <laughs> is different. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. So, yeah, for me, it really looked like sitting there and um and waiting for a while and then and then acting and mm-hmm. um and that's when I hired my attorney and I never thought that I would do that I mean the first couple of weeks the first couple I mean the first month of of this process I said to him you'll have to drag me kicking and screaming to get to get a divorce but I was still the one you know at the end of the day that that began the process mm-hmm. so was that a hard I mean, that must have been a hard decision. It was the hardest. It was by far the hardest phone call I'd ever make mm-hmm. to to the attorney to to just make the appointment. Right. I I remember sitting. I was sitting in a parking lot. I was sitting at a caribou parking lot, mm-hmm. and I knew that I needed to do this. I knew that I needed to just at least at least like gather some information. Mm-hmm. But just making that phone call to a paralegal to make an appointment with an attorney was like just the worst phone call I could possibly make. Right, because it's, I mean, before we were, we were recording, we were talking about the difference between stepping toward something and stepping into something. Yeah. And this was stepping toward something you never thought you'd do, yep. like stepping yep. toward divorce. Yeah, and for me, there was so much shame around that mm. where where I didn't I didn't do anything necessarily to, um, to warrant this divorce, mm-hmm. but I was still the one taking on that word <laughs> for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. I was still the one taking a step towards that word right. to be a divorced person mm-hmm. and never, ever thought that it, that would be my story mm-hmm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But still, that's what I was stepping into <laughs> one of, stepping towards. One of my sisters is divorced and they were, they had a child. Oh, we didn't say that. You don't, you, the two I of don't you have didn't children. have any children. No. So she, they had a child. And so then it's, more complicated because of things and it was a different state but they were separated for so long and then the you know custody issue and he just never filed for the divorce Mm -hmm. and so she and she didn't 
I mean, similar kind of feeling about divorce. And she was the one that ended up filing because like it's done and you just need to, I'm kind of putting words in her mouth. But what it looked like to me was that it's done and I just need to legally make it done so that you can then deal with Mm -hmm. the grief and the loss and the rebuilding yeah, Are, does any of absolutely. That resonate with that's you? that's that totally resonated with me, and I mean, almost in a in a strange way, I believed even after filing for the divorce, knowing that my marriage was almost. I mean, it was almost built around lies. It was it was almost like a like a f- false vows mm-hmm. in a sense because he had never been faithful, and so he was you know stood up there in front of three hundred fifty of our closest friends and family to to vow to be for, you know forever faithful to me knowing that 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 he wasn't already right i i i almost believed that god would bring us together to create a new marriage mm-hmm. <laughs> even mm-hmm. even after beginning to to beginning the divorce process i believed that god would do that just knowing that he's about restoration right um and then again that's not my story either mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but god brings he brings restoration in general and he brought restoration to my heart and and that is that is actually my story. <laughs> that is right. Yeah, that's I mean, the process of healing. Yeah, and and that's why I wanted to point out that when you were talking about the divorce, that you thought the the redemption, the renewal was going to come with your marriage, but yeah. it's come in a completely different way. I mean, mm-hmm. the, your marriage, your life has been reclaimed in a completely different way. So, will you talk a little bit about yeah. a little bit about what your blog is about? Yeah, absolutely. When you're going through a painful breakup or a painful any sort of relational betrayal or or pain, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of places and things that are really tied up with the relationships. Mm-hmm. And for me, I drive around the Twin Cities and I'd, you know, pass a restaurant that I would go to with my ex-husband, mm-hmm. a restaurant, or I'd listen to music and um, just see something that would trigger this emotion in me mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. this emotion of pain and that it was a once happy memory that I had with him where, you know, we went to Perkins after church and we would eat pancakes together and we would share love. And that was just a daily or, you know, like a a weekly thing that we would do a ritual. Yeah. yeah, A relational ritual that we would do to, um, to nurture each other in, in our relationship. And once the realization was, you know, once it was there that that the the relationship is broken mm-hmm. that that place became broken for me and or that thing mm-hmm. um so i so like perkins, perkins like perkins became perkins too. became broken mm-hmm. and i would drive past perkins and think i can never go back there again mm-hmm. because it's too sad it is too hard i my marriage is broken so if I go back in there, what if I run into him there? Mm-hmm. What if I run into him and her there? Mm-hmm. What if I am there and I'm just too overcome with my sadness and my grief that I just break down and I can't handle it and I, I'm just a mess? Mm-hmm. And I've talked about that on the podcast before. After my mom died, I would be like in Target and I would see something <clears throat> she really liked and yep. I would be like, uh-oh. <laughs> like exactly. tears would start coming yes. and awkward. Like I'm in public by myself and yeah. And so, I can't like, control this. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely that. And mm-hmm. and it's that it's those like little triggers in you when you're when you're dealing with grief mm-hmm. that um it was like a, a happy association and now it's like a really hard one. Right. And well and I think 
too, with divorce, it's even harder. My mom died. Yeah. So that, you know, she liked those chocolate orange things that you would crack open and they were like slices of chocolate that had oh, orange in them. Yes. Oh, that's those what are I saw good. at Target. Yeah. That, those are good. that struck my memory. <laughs> so that made me think of my mom and the good memories where I think the difference is, is about what you're talking about is yeah. that now that memory is tainted. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So that, yeah. that thing that I was seeing that reminded me of her made me miss her, but it wasn't, but it was hard because she and I had a, diff- had a good relationship. I think it would be even harder when all of a sudden that relationship is broken, this memory of this thing is tainted, and that person is still alive in the world and walking around. Like I And think, could walk into Perkins, right, too. Right, when you're there. Yeah. Yes, having your emotional breakdown. <laughs> right, right, yes. No, yeah. that just sounds, yeah, that just sounds really awful. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. <laughs> well, it was really, it was really, really hard. And mm-hmm. the list of those places grew for me, and the list of of things like that chocolate mm-hmm. grew for me too. I was I began to recognize all of these things that that were keeping me just almost just almost paralyzed in my pain mm-hmm. from doing anything. So I would sit there, you know, in my parents' basement and just completely unable to pro- to process or function. And um and so the Lord really revealed to me that all these places and all these things, it was for me avoiding them was about, it was about surrendering to the pain and surrendering mm-hmm. to actually the shame for me of the fact that I am getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. And we talked about once you talked about that, the scarlet letter, like feeling yeah. like you had a scarlet letter D. Yes, exactly. Of just this giant, yeah, the, this giant sign that said like, Ellie is getting a divorce. I couldn't walk around and say, just so you know, this is my story. This is my story. And, um, and I'm not at fault here. Mm. I couldn't do that, but I was still needing to step into places and just reject the shame of the divorce. So what, what God really called me to do was to walk into those places with friends and people that I trusted, like my family and and face the fear of that place face mm-hmm. the pain of that place mm-hmm. that was once happy and and so what so i i made an event out of it where mm-hmm. i invited friends and i invited family and i s- tried to sit in the same booth mm-hmm. and i tried mm-hmm. to talk about you know the memories that i had there eating the pancakes and the the conversations that we would have there, and that one time that was really fun, and mm-hmm. um, and just try to try to relive those memories, and then in doing that, I was sort of opening up my heart to that pain and mm-hmm. allowing the pain to just happen because it was unavoidable. Right. It was. I mean, I've heard you talk in your the grief series about the grief is like it's it's like waves. You just have to mm-hmm. if you. If you try to avoid it, you're gonna right. you're gonna get knocked over. Mm-hmm. Um, it is unavoidable, and so you have to. Uh, the Lord really convicted me to just stand really firm in that and know that those waves are gonna come, and so just dive in and like mm-hmm. ride them, surrender to it. Exactly. Yeah. So so in being there and in, in going back to those Perkins and um, you know Cub Foods, mm-hmm. um, I was taking back those memories and I was creating new ones. Mm-hmm. So. I, I kind of I think of that as like the bleeding woman in the Bible. She was bleeding for twelve years, 
and the doctors had no idea what was going on with her. They they just they tried to fix her and mm-hmm. they couldn't and mm-hmm. and she just got worse. And instead of just sitting in her sickness, mm-hmm. she heard about Jesus and she was like, "I got I got to go. I have to get up and I have to reach after him." Mm-hmm. The him. Even in and yeah, the Bible says like she said, "Even if I touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be healed." Mm-hmm. So she pushes through the crowds. She is unclean. Like, I mean. Right. She shouldn't have been she there. She shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. She was unclean. And I love this. The um, It says that she came to him from behind. So she was, like, even trying to, like, dodge him. Like, mm-hmm. maybe he won't see me and right. I'll, like, still get healed. But she's, like, reaching through the crowds. I mean, this audacious faith to, to reach after her own healing. Mm-hmm. And then that's mm-hmm. how she got healed. To reach after her own healing. That Yeah. I've never thought about it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah, that's what she was I mean, doing. Absolutely, God could have healed her laying in her bed, mm-hmm. but she didn't wait for it, and she was she wasn't sitting there thinking like, oh, if only Jesus would come. Mm-hmm. Like she got up and she chased after she it. She chased after it, mm-hmm. and I love this because Jesus healed her in the context of community. Yes, yes, yeah, and and. Mm-hmm. And that he turned after she touched. Exactly. He turned. And then he said, who touched me? And um, his disciples were like, uh. Really? Because we're in a kidding? crowd. Yeah. Like, uh, everyone's touching you. <laughs> right. And then she's like, it was me. I'm sorry. And she's terrified and she's trembling. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. And it's in the context of the community. And she is fighting shame. She's fighting even like the cultural norms. Right. To reach after her own healing. And she receives it. Mm-hmm. And and this process for me of going back and um, reclaiming these places has been a lot like that. Mm-hmm. It's been getting out of bed, getting out of the pain. It doesn't mean that I am avoiding it mm-hmm. or like I don't feel it. It mm-hmm. was awful and it was terrible to get up. And I did cry <laughs> sitting mm-hmm. in sitting in Perkins. Mm-hmm. But but it was actively going after a healing mm-hmm. to receive it from Jesus. It's not about, you know just sitting in a in a Perkins booth doesn't right. reveal the healing but it's Jesus that does it. Mm-hmm. And so then I I as I was doing this process I began to see these different associations at these different places that wasn't just about my ex-husband but it was about me and Jesus. It was about mm-hmm. it was about these little miracles that would happen at those places and ways that I met God. Mm. So I mean I like one of our first dates when I was dating him was skydiving. So I went wow. skydiving mm-hmm. and um, I went to our honeymoon destination with, with my friends. I went to New York City. Mm. And um, and so smart. I mean, you said you went with your friends. I think that's so yeah. wise to not go it alone, but yes. to bring people, trusted people, people who you can be you with. Yes. And who you can be you unfiltered. Because um, I was, yeah, <laughs> like big time. You just need to be, yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, I um, I said a lot of things that could have been shocking to people. Right. I was angry. I was really angry mm-hmm. going through this process sometimes, and my friends were just gracious and you know would would They're allow present. me, yeah, present like allow me to to say those things, mm-hmm. and sometimes bring challenge. And um, and to say, okay, so now maybe you need to take another step or, you know. Right. Um, because those are those friends, I think this is such an important point. Those friends have kind of, quote, earned the right yep. to ask the hard questions. Yeah. So 
because I think some people, and I really do think sometimes people are trying to be helpful yes. and they're just not <laughs> with the things that they say, especially when they don't have that kind of relationship with mm-hmm. somebody. So yeah, I think that's an important point to make that yep. these were good friends who knew you, who were there for you in the good and the bad, yep. and they earned Yes, they did. The right mm-hmm. to challenge and to say the hard things. And there's a lot of times, I think, where people are so well-intentioned mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in just trying to be helpful or saying, like, I mean, I got a lot of, oh, you're so young. You're going to find someone. And I was like, yeah, I did. Right. I did find someone, and I loved him a lot, and it's not helpful to then just run to the next right, thing. Right, right, right. I can't. I can't do that. That's not helpful. No. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of things that people said, and I think I mean in Job, Job's friends are right. like they're sitting with him in his pain, and then the minute that they open their mouths, yeah, then they were doing really well. they were doing really well <laughs> until and then, that point right? until they weren't doing well. Right. <laughs> right. So back to your friends went with you to mm-hmm. where you had gone on your honeymoon. They went with yes. you to New York. Yes, we went to New York City. For me, the 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 entire divorce process was very long. Well, I'm <laughs> it's it's a long process for a lot of people. For for me, I thought it would be over a little bit faster since we didn't have children. Mm-hmm. We did own a home together, um which was the long part. But I I had thought that it was going to be sort of a reverse honeymoon. I wanted it to be like a my divorce is over and here's my like oh stepping yeah. into singleness kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and just going back there, but the divorce was still going on while it was ha- while I was there. I went there in June, and um, and it was also a place where we would vacation a couple times. And mm-hmm. I, I love musicals. I I love acting, and um, and so and he is a musician. So we we went to um, different concerts there when we were together, and um, and so when I went to New York, I I knew that I just needed to really reclaim the island like I needed mm-hmm. to reclaim Manhattan yeah. there was a couple specific restaurants that I needed to go to a couple specific places like Central Park mm-hmm. that I needed to go to but it was really just about creating a new memory there with mm-hmm. with my friends and we did and we had a really really wonderful time and it was probably yeah that now now I think of I think of New York and I think of yes the time the good times that I had with my ex-husband there because those were real Mm-hmm. And those I I shared love with him there, mm-hmm. and I can't I can't erase that, and I actually don't want to erase that. I don't want to pretend like I didn't share love with him, mm-hmm. but I also remember the love that I shared with my friends there, mm-hmm. and being just really real with well, them. And the love that you those memories that you had with him, because you dealt with them, they no longer get to say how you're going to remember it. Exactly. They don't get yeah. to have control over you mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would definitely I would definitely agree with that. So you reclaimed Perkins and you reclaimed New York. Have there been other places that have kind of stood out as Yes, there's there is one. Um I had rallied around a couple friends to go with me to reclaim this restaurant. It was one of the last places that we went to together mm. um before I discovered the affair. And um and I had called them together, and they had um, – I sent them um, the, the location, like, over text. Mm-hmm. And they, they, had, they were already there, and I was on my way with another friend. I was giving her directions while she was driving. And as I was giving her directions, I was like, wait a second. We're going the wrong way. 
and I was like, I was looking at the directions, and I was like, wait, we're supposed to go, we're supposed to go over here, and why is why is why is Google taking me over here? Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had sent them the wrong restaurant, oh. and a restaurant that I'd never been to before. So my friends were sitting at a restaurant that they thought I was reclaiming, but mm-hmm. it was actually a new restaurant for me. So they had already, they were already like already ordered their food, and. I was going to, you know, I was going to this restaurant that I had never been to. Mm-hmm. And this whole event was supposed to be to reclaim this place. Right. <laughs> so I was really upset about it. And I got there and I was like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I really wanted, I wanted to reclaim this place. I, mm-hmm. I thought that that would be, it would be a good day for it and all those things. And you, I, I really, I, I would build myself up mm-hmm. to, to get to this place of courage and kind of boldness to be mm-hmm. able to walk in there and kind of build yourself up in that way. And, um, so it was just really devastating that I, that I didn't do it. Right. After, after a while, you know, people had, had had their food and I thought, okay, well I could still go there and I could, you know, maybe just like order an appetizer or something or like a dessert. Mm-hmm. So I got up and, and we, we drove there and it had already closed. And it had closed early that night. So I was really upset about that. And I just sat there with my friends and I was like, oh, I just really wanted to get back there and I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And just kind of left defeated. But the the next, a couple days later, I think I was looking at my bank statement, which at that point we were still sharing a bank account. And I saw my bank statement and I, I saw on it that there was a, a charge at that restaurant that I was about to reclaim. Mm. It turns out my, my ex-husband was there. Oh, wow. When You went yeah, to the wrong... I went to the wrong restaurant. So mm-hmm. if I would have actually gone there that day, he would have been there. Mm. And I would not have been ready for that. And I just was like, thank you, Lord, <laughs> <laughs> that you were kind of orchestrating that, mm-hmm. that I didn't have to face him then. Um, uh, a couple months later, I ended up going back there with my friends, and he wasn't there. So, it. so it is reclaimed. Did you have in this process of reclaiming <clears throat> places? Have you run I've into? I've never him? run into him. Okay. No, no, I haven't. Um, and I do think. I mean, he he still lives in close to where I am. I'm sure at some point I'll probably run into him. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot still. Mm-hmm. I still have that fear. I mean, it's been a year and a half since I discovered Which the affair. Is not a very long time. It's not. Mm-mm. It's not. There is no prescribed timeline for right. this kind of grief mm-hmm. and um and I think but still it, that still seems like a short yes, amount of time like yes. <laughs> I wouldn't expect someone to be over that <clears throat> no and, and I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. it's still tender it's mm-hmm. I think about it and I I still get hurt and I still cry sometimes um and I think that that's completely okay mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um yeah but I I I know that if I ever do run into him that I know that the Lord will give me grace and I know that when it happens because I'm sure it will mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. that the Lord will give me grace and I'll be able to, I'll be able to handle it because I can do all things because mm-hmm. he strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And is with you. I mean, yep. you wouldn't go into that by yourself because mm-hmm. yeah. he'd be with you. And that'll be, that'll be another level of reclaiming. I think of, mm-hmm. of seeing him sort of unexpectedly mm-hmm. because I do have that anxiety around it of going places and maybe he'll be there. But if it, mm-hmm. if ever, if it ever does happen, then I think that that will be, I'll know that I have, would have conquered that, right. I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but one fun thing is that when we met for coffee, I had thought that we were going to, a, we, we were going to meet at Taste of Scandinavia, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, I thought we were going to a different taste of Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the the invitation, and um, it turns out that that was a place that needed to be reclaimed. <laughs> that was on my spreadsheet. Right. So we got there, and I was like, yes, this is a perfect reclamation. <laughs> this is a perfect reclaiming mm-hmm. activity to meet you, to talk about reclaiming. Mm-hmm. And you were so great about about saying, okay, so how do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what are your memories? And it was it was just really refreshing to to be there and taste of Scandinavia is reclaimed. Right, right. <laughs> well, and it was so, I mean, I usually go to the North Oaks one. Oh, you do? Yeah. I hardly, I've been to that one one other time. That is great. But the only reason I picked it is because it was a little bit between yeah, the two of us. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it would be a, a more central location. And it was. Yes. So it was a privilege to be able to, do that process with you because I know that that I mean that can be a vulnerable Mm -hmm. thing yeah Yeah. and you didn't know me (laughs) (laughs) you had never met me (laughs) and you just you you were an excellent reclaiming buddy you really were (laughs) is there anything that you would want to say to somebody who is either facing divorce Mm -hmm. or is walking alongside somebody who is facing divorce be patient Mm. be really patient with yourself and with your friend Mm -hmm. who's maybe walking through it it's painful and it's really 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 hard and I mean they say it's the most stressful thing next to losing a child Mm. was there anything that was unexpected about the process something that surprised you that you thought oh if I had known that it would have been a little easier to deal with it I don't know if I would have if it would have been easier, but one one thing that does come to mind is, to me, the the process of actually reclaiming mm-hmm. places was um, surprisingly fun. Mm-hmm. Um, of it, it was a, a fun activity that I would do with my friends, um, a hard one, mm-hmm. but that I would always end up laughing and I would always end up having a good time with people and and getting out of my parents' basement at mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. was really important and really sort of just exercising relational muscles was really important. Surrender to God. Surrender the pain to him because he is absolutely able and capable to heal it for you. And it's not, it's often not an instantaneous thing, but Mm -hmm. God is in the business of restoration and Mm -hmm. he, he heals and he does. And and every single step along the way is a step towards healing. But sometimes we just have to keep stepping mm-hmm. and we have to take active steps to do that. Um, one, one thing that's a little bit different about my story is that this was something that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a victim. I want to be clear about that. I'm not a victim. But the pain that was almost inflicted upon me mm-hmm. is the same, the same grace that I extend to my ex-husband the same forgiveness that I bestow upon him every day because mm-hmm. I have to choose to forgive him every day is the same forgiveness that we have to extend to ourselves when we mm-hmm. inflict pain on ourselves mm-hmm. or onto someone else. Mm-hmm. There, there's so much forgiveness that has to happen in, I mean, a, a divorce is messy mm-hmm. and it's oftentimes a lot of hurt and betrayal uh you know stacked on each other on both ends Mm -hmm. and there's often not just a pointing of the finger from you know one person at fault here Mm -hmm. and and I was not perfect in the process by any means any stretch of the imagination so (laughs) so I don't mean to say that but you're also going to have to forgive yourself 
mm-hmm. in, in the process of divorce. And I had to forgive myself for going and filing for divorce mm-hmm. because it felt it felt like a sin to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Malachi 2 says God hates divorce, but he doesn't hate the people that right. get divorced. <laughs> he, I mean, we've talked a little bit about yeah. I think he hates divorce because of how destructive yes. it is and mm-hmm. what it does to, to his people. Yes, what it does absolutely. to the people that he loves who are created in his image. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and in the Old Testament, I mean, like I've mentioned to you before, the the Israelites, they they had broken the covenant. And there's a there's a couple times where where God says that he that he has to divorce Israel. Mm-hmm. And and so he yes, he hates it and he says it in his word that he hates it, but he still he still does it because of the broken because of the brokenness. That's interesting. Because he's always faithful. He's yes, that's interesting. But then he still he still reaches out and he reconciles. Right. He still restores mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but we're now on this side of the cross. We're right. now on this side of grace mm-hmm. and receiving it just endlessly. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to we don't have to live under that. Right. But it's still something. It's still a reality in our world. I mean, everyone, all of your listeners know somebody. That has right. been divorced or or they are mm-hmm. or they have been divorced. Mm-hmm. It, it is so, so common right now. I mean, it, right. And so painful. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we have to we have to face it. We can't just deny that it that it happens. Right. And I think the church, like the big church. Yeah. Could do a better job about coming alongside people oh, yes. who are experiencing that kind of. Yes. Brokenness. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Particularly because of the shame around it, mm-hmm. because there was so much. There's, there's, there is so much shame around it. I began to notice how people in, um, in church settings and, um, and in podcasts and things like that would mm-hmm. use divorce as kind of an example of this moral failure in our culture. Mm. And I was like, oh great, I am, I'm lumped up with this moral failure, and, <laughs> and it was that that brought shame around it for me too. Mm-hmm. That kept me in this pain. Mm-hmm. But I think that we have to throw that off and we have to receive his grace and we have to throw that off of our friends and family mm-hmm. that have that have been divorced or are going through it. Mm-hmm. To then receive God's healing and and his restoration because if it doesn't happen in your marriage, then it can happen to you personally. Mm-hmm. I also really want to be clear that I'm not an advocate for divorce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, you know, if you if you are facing a really tough marriage, Please stick with it because I believe that he can heal and and a divorce is not the easy answer. It's never the easy answer. It is a really, really hard uphill battle. Yes, there is grace and restoration on the other side, mm-hmm. but there can be grace and restoration in your marriage. And, and I want to just encourage and fight for that for people. Seek after the help that you need talk to professionals, just mm-hmm. go after it. And this is the marriage is the most important gift you will ever have. The heart mm-hmm. of some of another individual is the most precious gift you'll have. So cherish it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I see my friends that are married now and I, I mean, I intercede for their marriages, even if, if they don't tell me anything about, mm-hmm. you know, challenges that they're having or not, but I intercede for them and, and my family and, we have to, we just, you, you have to fight for it. Mm-hmm. I really, really mm-hmm. believe that. So mm-hmm. I want to be clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm certainly not waving the flag saying, 
just go, go ahead and get divorced because that's not the that's that's not the easy answer. Mm-mm. Well, and it's not everybody's story. But what I do appreciate is that you like two things that I want to reflect back that I that I heard you say. You when you first envisioned that restoration, that mm-hmm. it was that your marriage was going to be restored. Yeah, and that isn't what that isn't what it looked like. That God was yeah. going to bring restoration in a different way. Yep. And I think that sometimes we can get wrapped up in what we, oh, maybe I'll just say it for myself. Sometimes I get wrapped up in, oh, Lord, this is what you're going to do, or this is what you should do, or here's my plan, (laughs) so just bless it. This is what this this should look like. And often it doesn't. And often in hindsight, I can see that it was a better, you know, anything I could have thought or imagined. And, but I only see it in, in hindsight. And when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to some it's sometimes it's hard to cling to him when he's doing something different than what you thought he was going to do yeah absolutely. so bringing restoration in a different way another thing that you said that i really appreciated was that forgiveness was a daily thing mm-hmm. it was something that you had to choose that you have to choose to do to walk through your day that it's yeah. something daily that you're choosing to do because i i think sometimes we think forgiveness looks like Oh, we're supposed to forgive and forget. But I think it's more honest to acknowledge I'm going to forgive. I'm going to continue to choose to forgive, be active in that. <laughs> and then the feeling of forgiveness may come at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard um, I've heard forgiveness sort of um, an analogy for that is like a train mm-hmm. that there's a point of um, that, that you forgive, which is like the engine. Mm-hmm. And that engine is carrying you. Mm. across but the the emotions are often like the caboose Mm. Mm -hmm. where that comes later (laughs) (laughs) where you have to at least I I really had to remind myself when I was angry that no I've I've forgiven I I forgive him um that's a choice that I made Mm -hmm. and you know my emotions and my feelings have not caught up with that decision yet Mm -hmm. and that is okay right that is okay it is okay to be angry it is okay to be really sad Mm -hmm. Um, it's okay to be hurt Mm -hmm. it's not okay to hold on to that Mm. and it's not okay to not surrender it I think or to at least when I think about forgiveness I always think of Corey Ten Boom Oh my gosh. She was speaking somewhere and one of the guards that she remembered that was a guard for her and her sister and her sister had died in a concentration camp. Yeah. If you don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, Google her. The hiding <laughs> place. Yeah, yeah. Amazing story. But so this guard came up to her and I think she had spoken about forgiveness. And so he was coming up to her, not knowing, not recognizing her, but she recognized him. Hmm. And he reached out his hand and was asking, you know, for forgiveness being a guard and in her head she said I don't feel that yeah but God I'm gonna outstretch my hand to him so I'm gonna do the activity I'm going to choose to forgive even though I don't feel it and then in that situation when she was obedient in forgiving this man the feeling followed Mm -hmm. immediately followed when she shook his hand I don't think it always happens like that. I don't think it does either. But, but I think that obedience of we are called yes. to forgive. And I don't. I, I think this is important to say, too. If you're in a relationship where you are not safe, 
this does not apply. Yeah. If you're not safe in a relationship, you need to get safe. You absolutely You shouldn't need stay to get, in an unsafe yeah. relationship and continue to forgive. You should get yourself safe. Lost my train of thought because that totally That's a very me. That is a very important point. Mm-hmm. That is a very important point. Yes, but forgiveness is something that we're called to do. We and are. And sometimes we just need to choose it even when we don't. And how many times are we supposed to do it? Yeah. 70 times 7, which is a lot of times. Right. And I'm not counting, but that means a lot of times. And that Mm -hmm. means every day, sometimes every moment of every day. Mm -hmm. And that's a couple years of choosing it every day. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. For me, a step of sort of and kind of going off of the, the active point of reaching out your hand to forgive Sometimes God calls us to do something that's active. And for me, that was reclaiming mm-hmm. and almost in going back to um, to places and experiencing things. That was a prophetic act of choosing forgiveness mm-hmm. and choosing to step into newness um, and not allowing bitterness to just brew in me like mm-hmm. like a crock pot of ick. Right. Of just sitting there and allowing that to brew. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes we're called to to just do something active before we feel right and I think so when you were talking about being the the crock pot that made me think of you in your parents basement yep and (laughs) it I think you're brave and I think you've made a brave choice to step out even though you're scared I think bravery is not about feeling brave I think bravery is about when you're scared and you go and you do it anyway trembling but, yep. but you go and you do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fear is so powerful. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, fight or flight. Right. Fight or flight. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a lion coming at you, you're running or you're fighting it. Right. And, you know, it calls us to action mm-hmm. in a sense. And I would be experiencing fear around my divorce and around um, things that are were associated with my divorce. Mm-hmm. And when I... When I came across those things, I wanted to not allow fear to just paralyze me. Mm-hmm. And that can be the tendency in people. Mm-hmm. That can be my tendency. I'm just yeah. going to own that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's my guide and it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it takes me to bad places. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It's a very mm-hmm. powerful thing. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, the enemy uses that to hold us back from stepping in, I think, mm-hmm. and um, and from experiencing what what God wants us to do. I mean, you think right. of how many times in the Bible it says, don't fear. Right. And how many times, like, you know, be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're feeling so small and you're feeling so completely incapable, but in that is the calling to be strong and courageous. Right. Yes, you're fearful, but don't let it, don't let that hold you back. Right. Don't let it stop you. Mm-hmm. And I really, I think that that's what God calls us to do all the time. Right. In all areas. Yeah. It's, yeah. We could go way off on a tangent we could. here about <laughs> like fear and comfort and being afraid of going out of your yeah. comfort zone and that's, that you just have to do it. Yep. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just well. have to step out. Yeah. yeah. We could, we'll stop right there. That's a whole podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> so because this is called the Retreat House Podcast, I like to ask my guests how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? Um, I'm a runner. And actually, one of the things that I that I worked to reclaim was running. Mm. 
and I decided this time last year to run the Twin Cities Marathon. Nice. So I finished, and that was um, that That's was awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so I did that in October. But but running is a huge retreat for me. Mm-hmm. Of just like getting out there. I just put on my shoes and I leave my front door and I. I run mm-hmm. and I love it. So that's a that's a retreat for me. But then just in the morning, my favorite thing is to roll out of bed and make myself a bunch of coffee and just sit with the word. Mm. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And Jesus meets me there. Right. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other question I like to ask people is if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird about something about yourself, what would that be? For me, I love musicals. And I'm, I'm constantly, like, just playing musicals in my house and blaring it and, um, you know, singing Defying Gravity at the top of my voice. So <laughs> that's one way that I celebrate weird. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Thank and you. sharing your story and what your process has looked like. And Thank you. my hope is that this will be really encouraging to somebody who finds themselves facing divorce or trying to walk alongside somebody that this will just be a window into one person's story yeah. with divorce. And I think we acknowledged a few times that every story, every situation is, mm-hmm. is different, but I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing you. your story. Thank you so much for having me. This has been just an absolute joy. And I, I just hope that it can be helpful to somebody. I'm, I'm hoping to this summer start um, reclaiming communities Mm-hmm. Where, where people can come and, um, and we can reclaim together mm-hmm. places that hold pain. And we're not, we're not sitting paralyzed in our shame. We are walking into our own healing because God is open and willing to extend it. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, then where can people – I'll put this in the show notes too, but where yeah. can people find you and follow Yeah, you? my website is rclaimed.com. All the, okay. all the information about uh, reclaiming and what it is and kind of my process. Of course, it looks different for each person, but um, but I kind of just tell some stories there and share some advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I will make sure that that's all in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Retreat House podcast. Any links mentioned in the show can be found in the show notes. We want to thank Isaac Turley for his music at the beginning and end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and we'll see you next week on the Retreat House Podcast. Bye.